Hi, you're listening to the preaching and teaching ministry of Second Baptist Church. These resources are not designed to take the place of a local church, but we hope they will encourage you on your journey with Christ. For more information about how you can connect with the Second Family, visit mysecond.family. This sermon was delivered live at our West Conway campus. Thanks for listening. How many of you watched the Hollywood um, best try they could movie Noah, right? Where they try to um, paint the picture of the story. Anybody watched that movie several years ago? Um, if you, Spoiler alert, if you ever watched it, it's awful, okay? Like Russell Crowe, they thought, let's get the most manly man that we can get to play um, Noah. They got Russell Crowe. He was weird the whole time. There was like a rock monster at one point. Like it was a super bad movie. Um, I think it got a rating of a 5.2 out of 10, right? So it's just awful movie. Spoiler alert, don't watch it, okay? Um, but it's, I understand how hard it would be to make a movie trying to summarize the story of Noah, right? This is something that many people wrestle with. How can God be a good, loving God and flood the entire world, right? And a lot of people, um, they wrestle with this concept of God being good, God being a righteous judge, and also being a God of mercy. How can those things coexist. Matter of fact, a lot of people leave the faith. They walk away from Christianity because they can't grasp this concept. And so I'm really excited to, to dig into the rest of this story of Noah and the flood and, um, and for us to wrestle with the story because what this story points us to is who God is and his character and how we should respond to that character. Who, how should we as believers, as people, respond to who God is. And so let's pray as we wrestle with the scripture for today. Y'all pray with me. <clears throat> God, we love you. We thank you for um, your grace and your mercy. We're thankful for our salvation. We're thankful for um, your provision in our life. I'm thankful for um, our church family that we have a group of uh, brothers and sisters there to encourage us, to push us closer to you, to sharpen us, to call us out, um, and, and to worship with one another. Lord, thank you for our church family, um, and Lord, bless our church family, and, and bless those who are watching today. Uh, but God, I pray that as we um, open up your word, that you help us to understand it, make it clear for us. But God, let us see who you truly are are um, a God of, uh, of righteous judgment, but a God of, of, of perfect mercy. Um, help us to respond to the, your word today, um, and we love you, Lord. It's your name we pray. Everybody said amen. Amen. And so where are we picking up today? We're picking up where Noah and his family and this massive herd of animals are still on the ark. They're still on the boat. And they've been there for about 150 days just floating around the world. They know outside of this boat, outside of the ark, um, there's a storm out there. God is doing what he said he was going to do. And so while they're waiting, they're just sitting there. They're just waiting, knowing God is doing his thing, that he is judging the world because of their sin. Last week, when David preached, he said that when you read the story of Noah, it's important to remember that Noah is not the main character, right? Matter of fact, anytime you read scripture and there's a narrative or there's someone talking, that person in and of themselves, they are not the main character. God, Jesus is always the main character. The Bible always points us straight to Jesus Christ, but it's important that we look at the characters like Noah and, and we see what is God teaching this person? What is he, how is he using Noah to reach us today, right? What Noah is seeing is that he's seeing a good and righteous judge, but also a merciful God, 
a God who provides salvation, a God who provides redemption, a God who makes a promise and follows through with it and keeps his word. We see a God who saves. So it's important that we wrestle with this because like I said, a lot of people walk away because they cannot um, understand the concept of a righteous judge and a merciful God. Those two things coexisting. But what we see in this story is that it, this just paints that picture of who God is. And so let's look at Genesis chapter 8. We're going to look at the first four verses. Here's verse chapter 1 in Genesis chapter 8. God remembered Noah as well as all the wildlife and all the livestock that were there with him in the ark. God caused a wind to pass over the earth and the water began to subside. The source of the watery depths and the floodgates of the sky were closed and the rain from the sky stopped. The water steadily receded from the earth, and by the end of 150 days, the water had decreased significantly. The ark came to rest in the seventh month on the 17th day of that month on the mountains of Ararat. So here's, uh, here's the picture of God and his mercy towards mankind. The fact that earlier when he decided to cleanse the world from all its sin and wickedness, and he looked at Noah, he looked at Noah and saw Noah, not a perfect man, but a righteous man who was serious about following God. A man who in a culture where people were turning away from God and rebelling against his word, he saw Noah trying to be faithful, trying to be obedient, and he chose Noah and his family to save them, to, to use them to paint the bigger picture of what redemption looks like. And so as, as God called them to build the ark and, and to get on there with all these animals, God was actually working out a bigger plan, a bigger story. So what I want you to imagine is that Noah and his family at this point, they, they, all they knew is that God told them to build this ark, to build this boat, gather the animals, and then wait. All they knew was God said, I'm about to cause rain to happen. They had no concept of what rain was at this point in history. The Bible tells us that it never rained. They had no concept of what a flood felt like. They had no concept of, of what God was doing other than, hey, God said to do this, and so we are going to be obedient. So they built the ark, they built the boat, they get on there, and you know for 150 days, they weathered the storm. For 150 days, you know, man, tension was high, right? Like, you know there was some fear and some doubt creeping in. You know that it, 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 was, it smelled from the animals, that the kids were getting anxious and they were getting restless. You know that there was frustrating moments, that there was moments of, of seasickness. They'd never been on sea. They never felt or experienced waves. And so all these fears are, are, are creeping into their hearts. And you know that they had moments as they were waiting. They're just trusting that God was going to do something. Moments of 150 days, moments of waiting for God to move. You know thoughts were creeping in of like, God, I thought you were a good God. I'm waiting. It's been 150 days. What are you doing? We're just trying to be faithful. We're just trying to be obedient. God, did you forget about us? Right? Was, was your righteousness and your judgment, like, was that all just like a pretend? Like, what is happening? God, we are waiting. You said you were going to do something. Do you not see us in this storm? And so we, here in Conway, we had a storm a few days ago. And like I said, I'm from California. I'm not used to storms, okay? I thought the rapture was about to go down, right? Like I started hearing things, right? But there was a moment where like when I was in college in Texas experiencing storms for the first time, I started to enjoy them. I like looking through the windows, but now I'm married with kids. Storms are different. 
right? Me and my wife with Lucy, like, we're like, man, what do we do? Like, things are getting crazy. I'm still looking out the window. And everything was fine until what? The, storm, the sirens started going off, right? So we carefully pick our girls up. Hopefully, hopefully Millie, our youngest, doesn't wake up. And, and then we come downstairs into our small bathroom about the size of this little moment or this little space right here. And we just sit and wait. We can hear the storm. We can hear the winds. It's dark. We don't know what's happening outside other than the fact that, man, we just have to wait this thing out. And there was some tension. There was a little bit of fear. Like, man, what do we do? Like, if something actually goes on, and then, and, and then all of a sudden it's done. And we go down, we lay our girls down, and we go, man, that was crazy. For Noah, right, bigger storm, bigger tension more doubt, more questions, more fears. We see him in this boat waiting and waiting and waiting. Now listen, we are not Noah on an ark while the flood is, while the world is being flooded to, to cleanse the world of evil, but we are in a world that is broken and sinful. We are in a, a world, we are still God's people trying to be obedient in a culture that does not want us to follow the Bible. We are still God's people living in a culture where there's tension and, and there's fear and there's doubts. We're seeing all the evil take place around us and we're, we know that we can trust God and his promises, but we look around and go, God, what is happening in the world? Like we see all these things taking place. What are you doing? I'm out here trying to follow you. I'm out here trying to be faithful. But God, the storm of life is beating me down. God, where are you? Some of us are still praying prayers that we've been praying for years and still have no answer. And family, what I want you to understand is that yes, we serve a God who is a righteous judge, but we also serve a God who is merciful and compassionate, who sees us in our walk of life, sees exactly where we're at, and he loves us, and he extends grace and mercy and salvation, and he wants us to, to lean on him, to surrender to him, because he has a plan for your life. Even if you don't feel like he's moving, God is always working. Even if you're just getting impatient or there's fears and there's doubts creeping in, know that God loves you, that he's a God of mercy. And he proves that in verse one, when, he, when it says, God remembered Noah. God remembered Noah. Listen, this doesn't mean that, that God forgot. God doesn't forget. Matter of fact, anytime you see in the Bible the phrase God remembered, and they, they put the name behind it. Every single time you see that, what God is doing is he's remembering, I made this person a promise, and now I'm about to follow through with it. I'm about to act. Anytime you see God say uh, that, that God remembered, what he's doing is he's about to spring into action. This bigger plan that God had was he was cleansing the world from evil that was taking place. And really what the story is pointing to is the ultimate plan, the bigger picture of God fully redeeming and fully saving the world through his son, Jesus Christ. That is the bigger picture here. And what we see next, um, if, you, if you just look at verse 15 through 14, we're not going to read it. I'm going to give you a summary. But you should definitely study this with your small group, dig into it um, on, on your personal time. But what happens next is, is God continues to, to remove the water. The water is receding from the earth. And, and Noah and his family, they're still on the boat. Forty days go by, and Noah opens up this window, and, and he sends out a raven to see if the land was dried up. 
right? And this raven is flying around, and, and so finally he's like, man, the raven's not doing anything, so he sends out a dove, and, and the dove um, comes back with an olive leaf in his mouth, which means like, hey, the, it's almost done. Like, the world is drying out. There's land out there. And a side note, let me just say something real quick. You know Noah was bored on this boat if he had enough time to train a bunch of birds to do stuff for him. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's how you know he was going stir crazy. If he's just over on the side training birds, right? And so he sends out these birds, and finally he sends out another dove, and it never comes back. And so he didn't even do a good job with that one, right? Um, that bird said, I'm done with the games, bro. Get me out of here. But Noah uh, finally sees, like, okay, I think it's finally calming down, and I want you to see what happens next. As Noah removes the cover of this ark, of this boat, and they see that the ground was dry. I want you to see, look at verse 15. Then God spoke to Noah, come out of the ark, you, your wife, your sons, and your sons' wives with you. Bring out all the living creatures that are with you, birds, livestock, those that crawl on the earth, and they will be spread over the earth and be fruitful and multiply on the earth. And all the animals and the creatures that crawl, oh, sorry, and they will be, yeah, they will multiply on earth. So here, here's what's going on. God saves Noah and his family and all those animals just as he promised he would do. God's judgment. God is, God is a God of righteous judging. He's a righteous judge, but he's also a God of mercy. And in this picture, this is beautiful combination of both of those things taking place as Noah and his family and all of these animals step out and their feet finally hit dry land. As those animals paraded down and they touch and they go fill, running, filling the world with new life, God is showing he is a God of mercy. And can you imagine the feeling that they're experiencing in this moment? The, 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 the true sense of freedom. For over a year, they are in this boat, questioning, waiting, trying to be faithful, taking care of each other, taking care of all these animals. And finally, they feel the warmth of the sun on their skin. Finally, they breathe fresh air. Finally, they don't feel themselves moving in this crazy motion, but they feel the solid ground. And all their fear and anxiety and questions that came with the storm, all the questions of doubt while waiting are gone because the God of righteous judgment and the God of, 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 of true mercy fulfilled what he said he was going to do. Brought redemption to the world. And this is the moment of the story that I love the most, right? I mean, look at what we're going to see Noah do next. It's just a true act of, uh, of worship, right? I want you to kind of imagine yourself in their shoes and put yourself in, in Noah's shoes for a minute. Remember, for an entire year, he was with his wife, their kids, their kids' kids, right? Their grandkids are there, all of these animals for an entire year, Okay. Stuck on a boat. Now, listen, how many of you traveled um, during the holiday season? Anybody traveled with their family, right? Went, went somewhere cool. Listen, we went to Texas, um, right? So here's the deal. Listen, and I really mean this when I say this, okay? Y'all lean in. Listen to me. <laughs> I love my family, okay? I do, okay? I love my wife. I, I mean, I love that woman. I love my daughters. They're awesome, okay? I love them, okay? Now, <laughs> Eight hours in an F-150 with my family starts getting a little, like, a bit much, okay? Uh, my daughters are just like me, 
full of energy, okay? My wife is not like me, not full of energy, right? That combination and a small cab is not good when you're going eight hours in one direction, right? Just to turn around and come eight hours back, be in Conway for a couple days, get back in your truck, go to Iowa eight hours, right? Um, be in a conference and then come back with your family. At a certain point, I love my family, but it's too much, okay? If I'm Noah, the moment that I see that whatever the gate come down or however he gets out of the boat, the moment my feet hit, I'm Forrest Gump sprinting to the wilderness to get a break from the, from the animals and my family. I just need a couple days, okay? But what we see Noah do blows my mind. What we see Noah do is respond in a way that I, I know you and I would never respond. How do I know that? It's because we are are, are, we, we have some lessons to learn from Noah. Let's look at the next verse and see how Noah responds. Look at Genesis chapter 8, verse 20. This is as soon as Noah hits the ground, verse 20. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord. He took some of every kind of clean animal and every kind of clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. Here's Noah's response. His response before doing anything in this brand new world a fresh start before he does anything, he stops to worship God in full surrender. We, we, we need to wrestle with this for a moment because when, when we hear anything about altars and sacrifices, we automatically think about the Old Testament where God actually gives regulations and rules like this is how you sacrifice. These are the animals. This is how you do it. This is how you sprinkle the blood. That was way later from this moment. God didn't command Noah to do this. God never said, hey, once I redeem you, once I, I move the waters and I put you on dry land, get out of the boat, build an altar and worship me. God didn't do that. What this is, this is an overflow from Noah's heart from experiencing who God is in his life, experiencing God, the righteous judge, and God, the God of mercy, redeeming and keeping his promise to Noah. This is just an overflow, an expression of what is happening in, God, in, in Noah's heart of worship. It's just an overflow, an expression of gratitude, not just for the blessing of being saved from the flood, but experiencing who God is. Because when you experience God, the righteous judge, when you experience the mercy from God, when you experience redemption from God, you can't help but to just stop and worship. You, you can't help but to stop and go, I, I just need to take a moment to sacrifice, to worship, to spend time praising God for who he is. He is holy. He is righteous. He is merciful. If you're a follower of Jesus in here, this is the res correct response to God's working in your life. On the daily God is working out his righteous plan for your life. He is constantly giving grace upon grace upon grace, mercy upon mercy upon mercy. And our response to that is to use our life as a sacrifice, as worship unto him. Not for the things that we get from God, but because of who God is. We worship Jesus. We worship. We sacrifice and I'm not just talking about when we have a scheduled time of worship. This was spontaneous. This wasn't a Sunday morning at 9.30 and 11 because he missed the 8 o'clock service, right? This, this was 
spontaneous. He just wanted to worship God. Worship is, is more than just gathering and singing songs with other believers, by the way, which is important, which is a command that we gather. That's important. I'm not saying that church is not needed. It's needed. We are the church. It's a command to gather. But the Bible also teaches us that your life is a living sacrifice to God. That how you live outside of the worship service matters to God. That we are called daily to surrender to God and his will for our life and walk in obedience the best that we can. And what we know from scripture when it comes to our worship to God, your heart matters more than the words that you're singing because God cares less about lip service if you're not living as a sacrifice that's pleasing to him. And what do we know? I want you to see how, how, how God responds to Noah. Look at verse 21 and 22. When the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma of the sacrifice, he said to himself, I will never again curse the ground because of human beings, even though the inclination of the human heart is evil from youth onward. And I will never again strike down every living thing as I have done. As the earth endures sea time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will not cease. What we see God is, it, what we see here is God is pleased with Noah's sacrifice. It pleased him. He accepted it. Now we know from scripture there are certain sacrifices that God doesn't accept that he's not pleased with. Matter of fact, in Psalm 51, it says that, that God is, is pleased with the sacrifice that comes from a broken spirit. In other words, when we look to God, in light of who he is, his character, his righteousness, his, his righteous, um, him being a righteous judge, his mercy, his grace. When, when we see God for who he is and then we see who we are in light of him, we are not righteous. We are, we are unrighteous. We are not holy. We are actually sinful, broken people who rebel, right? God literally said, when I look at the world and I see people, man, I just know their inclination is to rebel against me. That's just their natural desire. So when we view ourselves in light of who God is and we say, no, no, I'm going to worship God because he is worthy of it. I'm, I'm going to walk in obedience because he is worthy of it. I'm going to live as a sacrifice and serve and share the gospel because he is worthy of it. Not because I'm worthy of it. Notice what Noah didn't do. Noah didn't stand there and go, hey, Let's, let's build an altar. Let's worship because God chose me because I'm awesome and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change the world now. That's not what happened. And yet sometimes we come into worship services and we sing and we pray. We leave expecting God to do something for us because we showed up on a Sunday morning. We, we, we don't worship God thinking Man, we're awesome. We worship God because we know we're not. We worship God because we know he is holy and, and perfect in all of his ways. And, and, and so we see Noah, this is coming from his heart where he knew, I didn't deserve this. I didn't deserve to be the one who survived the flood. I deserved the flood, but God saved and redeemed me. Therefore, I am going to live as a sacrifice. So as believers, we look back on our life 
and we remember the things that God has saved and redeemed us from. We remember the mercy and the grace that God has given us over and over and over again. And we say, because of who God is and what he's extended to me, I deserve the judgment and he gave me grace. Because of that, I live for him. I worship him. I will sacrifice for him. Family, listen, God is not pleased with lip service if your heart is full of yourself. But God is pleased when we worship him knowing who we are, what we deserve, and yet what God gave us. And we worship him through that. This whole story, Noah knew exactly what was happening. That, that he and his family were saved by God's mercy and mercy alone. And matter of fact, this story is just pushing us to the cross. He's just, it's just pushing us to what God has done through Jesus Christ. Noah made his sacrifice. God was pleased with it. But in verse 21, he said that the, that the flood in and of itself wasn't enough to make humans go, okay, we're done. We're done with sin. We're done with rebelling. Now we're all in. God said, no, no, they're, they're going to rebel anyways. I know what they're going to do. They're going to keep choosing sin. Why? Because he said their heart is evil from the youth on. But he did promise I would never flood the earth again. But he said, I, I still know they're going to rebel against me. So in reality, the, 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 the story of the flood, yes, it's redemption, but not in full. We don't see full redemption until we get to the cross where Jesus is standing, and as Jesus is there, who is, who is fully God and fully man and perfect in any way, in every single way, there's this moment that the Bible teaches us that, there, that Jesus is there, and all of a sudden, all the wrath that God has towards your sin and towards my sin, Jesus took on himself, that he took the cup of wrath and poured it upon himself, and so all the, all the, the righteous anger towards sin that God has, Jesus took. He took that for us. And the same wrath that God had towards this, to the world's sin in Genesis 6 that brought the flood, Jesus took for us. All of it. All of the righteous anger. Your sin, my sin. Jesus laid himself down as a sacrifice for us so that you and I could be saved. So that you and I can experience not the judgment of God, but the mercy of God. Not the judgment and wrath of God, but salvation that only God can give us. Jesus did that for us. He did that for us. He became what the Bible says, the propitiation of our sin. In other words, Jesus took on the wrath of God so that we don't face the consequence of our own rebellion. Listen to me. The flood did bring salvation and redemption to Noah and his family. But now, through Jesus, through the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we can have true redemption to those who surrender to Jesus as Lord and King. And one day, Jesus promises, he is coming back. And all the brokenness and sinfulness and evil that we see today, Jesus says, I will make this whole thing brand new. I will fully redeem God's creation. What a beautiful thing that we, that we hope for, that we strive towards. And this beautiful story from, from, from the fall in Genesis 3 to the flood in Genesis 6 to the cross, God is painting the picture for us to see who he really is, a righteous judge, but a God of mercy.
He is good. He is holy. He loves you and has a plan for your life. Your response to that is to surrender and use your life as a sacrifice to Him. Thank you for listening to the preaching and teaching ministry of Second Baptist. We hope that we will see you in person this next Sunday. To find more information about service times, location, and ministry offerings, visit mysecond.family. Thank you for listening.